Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. I don't think you can overstate the impact on health of pig production. I think it's the biggest differentiator I see between good producers and bad producers because like I say, most everybody's got a competitive genetics program. Most everybody's got a competitive nutrition program. Um, and I know there's differences out there, but I don't see the differences in those areas of pig production being nearly as drastic as I see the differences in health from one producer to another. Swine It podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative sponsors like Elanco's Prevacent, a new PERS Spective. Visit prevacentprrs.us to learn more. NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to Swine Eat Podcast. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about Gestal. Celebrating its 25th anniversary, Gestal manufactures the original wireless standalone swine feeding system. Designed by pork producers, for pork producers. They are simple, reliable, and provide peace of mind 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Gestal is not just manufactured by an equipment company, but by a family pork production business with a slat level understanding. Gestal, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Hello everyone. Today, we'll talk about the impact of health in pig production and using modeling for decision-making. And we have Dr. Clayton Johnson and Dr. Tyler Hawk with us uh, in the show today. How are you, Dr. Clayton? I'm good, Marcio. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you so much. And how about you, Dr. Tyler? Yeah, very good. Very good, Marcio. It's actually a sunny day in Iowa in February, so we're good. Happy day, Sunny. I love the sun as well. So that's awesome. Uh, well, the first question uh, that we always ask in the podcast is, you know, if you can uh, share a little bit about yourselves and also how you got involved in pig production and your career so far. Uh, we can start with you, Dr. Johnson. Yeah, very good. Um, my my story of getting involved in pig production starts at a very young age. Uh, my dad's a mixed animal veterinarian in West Central Illinois and in the, the part of the country we grew up in. And we were full of diversified farms when I was a kid. Um, and we didn't ever own pigs ourselves. We didn't have a farm. Um, but dad worked with all the local pig producers. And at that point, there were still a lot of pigs raised outside on dirt lots. And one of the primary, there were really a couple of primary jobs for the veterinarian. One of them was vaccinating and castrating uh, pigs on those dirt lots. Hmm. Um, and then the other one would have been some regulatory work, uh, particularly in the pseudo rabies uh, elimination where we would bleed and certified herds. And really, as soon as I was big enough to pick up a pig and hold them while dad castrated them and vaccinated them um, and or work a snare and hold on to a sow or a pig while dad bled them, I was a full time employee of the pig industry from that point on. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I got into pig production. 
uh, started my career working with the Mashoffs, um, worked with them as an intern in veterinary school, and then spent uh, a wonderful eight years right out of school working with them uh, at the main office in Carlisle. Got to, to grow up through the ranks of being a production veterinarian and then eventually the director of health and animal care. Um, had some wonderful experiences there. Uh, and then got the opportunity to go into private practice here right at four years ago. Uh, joined Carthage Veterinary Services at that time. Um, and that really brings me to where I'm at today. I'm a partner and veterinarian here at Carthage. Very nice. Very amazing career. Uh, thanks for that uh, background there. And how about you, Dr. Hawk? Yeah, Marcia. I grew up uh, in Northwest Iowa raising pigs. We had a 250 sow feral to finish confinement hog operation in the 1970s, hmm. which at the time was 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 a big operation. But this was back in the days when we had four stages post weaning: hot nursery, a cold nursery, a grower, a finisher. So. I've seen quite a bit of change in the swine industry during my career. Mm -hmm. um, went to undergrad animal science degree at South Dakota State and then went to Iowa State for vet school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did come back to graduate school after working out in the field for six years. Got uh, over 30 years now working in the swine industry, amazingly, and uh, started off in the field swine graphics mm -hmm. with Al Lehman. Oh, wow. And then the majority of my career has been with the biopharma industry. Mm -hmm. And then the last five years, I've been independent consultant uh, doing technical and business consulting with uh, companies here in Iowa. And then I travel over to China uh, quarterly as well. Very cool. So, uh, Dr. Johnson, as a production veterinarian, what is the impact of, of health in pig production? And, uh, you can start, you know, from a production standpoint and then financial and then emotional standpoint. We might take a few hours to answer this question, but uh, that's what we got. Yeah, well, I'll try and, I'll try and keep it under, under a couple of hours. Okay. Um, <laughs> you really can't, you can't overstate the impact that health has on pig production. Right. Um, when you think about uh, your competition, being other pig producers that are selling pigs into the same marketplace, one of the biggest things that I think differentiates your production performance from those from the competition is the health. Um, you know, we're blessed that we've got world-class genetic programs. Uh, the best genetics are available to all producers, and all producers really are pretty competitive there. Same thing on the nutrition front. You know, uh, you, you've got a, uh, the ability to, to really have an excellent nutrition program no matter how big or small of a producer you are in the U.S. right now. And so I, I look at those things and I say, you know, the, the playing field is relatively level there. And what I mean by level is just that the producer gets to, to choose and they, they get to, to pick what they think is the best genetics and nutrition platform for them. And everybody can be very competitive with each other um, and kind of on uh, even keel, if you will, relative to those two aspects of pig production. But then when you get to health, that's, uh, that's where you really start to see differences from one producer to another. Um, those producers that uh, do have health challenges typically can't get the production that they want. Um, they certainly are, are going to have impact to mortality, conversion, growth, all of those key metrics that we think about when we think about the production standpoint. 
And then obviously all of those have financial multipliers tied to them. Um, some metrics are, are more valuable than others, but anytime your performance is being hindered, it's going to have some sort of impact on, on your, your revenues because you aren't selling as many pounds of, of carcass as you would like um, or converting those pounds of carcass as efficiently as what those other competitors are. Um, and that's going to that's gonna impact your bottom line. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I don't think you can overstate the impact on health of pig production, Marcio. I think it's the biggest differentiator I see between good producers and bad producers because, like I say, most, most everybody's got a competitive genetics program. Most everybody's got a competitive nutrition program. Um, and I know there's differences out there, but I don't see the differences in those areas of pig production being nearly as drastic as I see the differences in health from one producer to another. Very nice. Would you say that um, it is better to try to eliminate than trying to live with some of these diseases? You know, each situation is unique. Um, and you ask two veterinarians, you get four opinions. So <laughs> I think um, the decision to eliminate is going to be case by case okay. where you can eliminate a pathogen out of your pig population and keep it out. It's always our best disease management tool. Mm -hmm. um, if you, if, if influenza is what's causing you problems and you can eliminate the influenza out of your population, that's going to be the best way to manage that disease. Um, when we're, when we've eliminated the disease, we're not spending money trying to manage it on medication or vaccination, you know, any of our intervention strategies. And we're also not letting the, the disease rob us from performance impacts, whether those are obvious clinical signs and, you know, major issues with mortality or average daily gain, or whether it's some sort of a subclinical disease situation where uh, maybe you don't see a lot of clinical signs of disease, but your pocketbook is being impacted because that disease is, is slowly but surely whittling away on your population. So elimination is definitely a, a wonderful program when you can get rid of a disease and you can keep it out mm -hmm. but i would say we've got to be practical um and maybe not eliminate diseases that we have no hope of getting out or perhaps a better way to say is not um completely eliminate exposure um you know pers is a great example of a disease that i wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. advocate everybody eliminate tomorrow mm -hmm. or i should say each individual producer eliminate from their herds tomorrow mm -hmm. because i do like to have a, a well vaccinated herd that's got antibodies knowing that despite our best efforts on biosecurity, their chance of PERS breaks are real. And we know that uh, vaccinated pigs are going to handle that PERS outbreak on average much better than an unvaccinated pig. So it's a bit of a cop-out answer, Marcio, mm -hmm. but I would say in some, situ in, in some situations, yes, and then in other situations, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Appreciate that. Sounds good. Uh, Dr. Hulk, what, what are your thoughts on if we start adding some, you know, modeling tools and, and connecting that to health, what tools are available today for decision making related to health? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I'd actually go back to uh, the comments that Clayton was just making on and your question about elimination versus control. One of the tools that I think we need to be looking at is risk assessment. And I think Clayton was kind of describing in some scenarios you should eliminate and others you more than likely should not. And I think it's important to do a risk assessment. So I know that AASV has put a lot of time and effort into a risk assessment tool that um, can be used in order to assess in the, in the case of PERS. 
Is that something that we should eliminate or is that something that we should control? So risk assess assessment tools would be one of the modeling tools that I would consider, Marcio. Mm -hmm. um, then, I, then I would kind of shift gears a little bit and look at more on the economics. And I know there's lots of different tools out there that might look at ROI for a given product. And uh, for example, we, we did a lot of that with trials and, and evaluating baseline versus intervention. And I think that's important. Uh, one of the newer tools that um, both Clayton and I have had the chance to, to see is a PERS calculator. And that's a tool that put out by NutriQuest that I think goes one step beyond that. And that calculator, you can put in a, a lot of different variables relative to your own system and the performance and production that you have and the cost that you have. And then that tool will turn around and calculate the costs in this case of PERS, both on your sow farm and in your growing pigs. And then what I really like about it is it gives you some different options for intervention that I think sometimes we don't really take into consideration enough. In other words, estimates uh, on a per pig basis of a loss due to a PERS outbreak can be uh, eight or nine dollars per pig. Well, if you do nothing, it actually gets worse than that. Hmm. And so then with a PERS calculator, you sit there and you walk through, well, what are some interventions? And then those interventions are based upon what's the improvement that I would expect for that particular intervention over doing nothing. So I think tools like, like that PERS calculator can be very helpful from an economic standpoint once you've done your risk assessment from an epidemiologic standpoint. Very interesting. Uh, any thoughts there, uh, Clayton, from your experience? Uh, Tyler did a great job of, of explaining the thought process. What I would add, Marcio, is that uh, to make it very simple for me to understand, I really like partial budgets. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what Tyler said with we value baseline relative to an intervention. Um, partial budgets really only require me to compare the costs and revenue impacts of doing something. So I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, lay out an entire budget for every different aspect of the, the cost structure that goes into raising and selling a pig. I just need to understand what's going to change. Um, so like Tyler said, there's always the option of doing nothing. Okay. So that can be scenario one in your, in your partial budget is if we don't do anything, what's this thing going to, what's going to happen to us? <laughs> And for a disease like a PERS outbreak, that's generally an unacceptable outcome. So you look at that and you say, boy, I just can't, we can't survive if that's the production and, and economic situation we're going to be looking at. Mm -hmm. So what can we do about this? And, and I'm familiar with that tool Tyler was talking about, the, the PERS calculator. Um, I think that's really a very sophisticated tool. Um, and when I say sophisticated, it's got a lot of nice math in the background where you can just change some of your assumptions. Um, and, and it can quickly help you to see what's the impact to cost and revenues based on an intervention that you put in. So, okay, all right, I'm going uh, to go in with a particular vaccination strategy or I'm going to use uh, some sort of uh, medication in uh, the feed that I think is going to boost the immune system of the pig and help them combat this PERS infection. And the tool kind of helps you see what does that look like. Um, if I can eliminate PERS faster or I can save more pigs, 
through this intervention strategy, what is the impact to my bottom line? And then I can use that to justify my intervention strategy. You know, when you're doing those partial budgets, you're not trying to necessarily solve for, for how do I get back to perfect production? You know, how do I get my PERS outbreak farm to be 30 PSY and $35 pigs coming out the door? That's, that's not generally the goal of it. Mm-hmm. It's how can I lay out several different intervention strategies, evaluate the cost of doing each one, and then evaluate the performance impacts associated with each of them. And, and really, what's my best cost or best value situation? And to me, a, a partial budget is the fastest way for me to work through it. And if there are already built tools like that PERS calculator that we can all leverage, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. We don't all need to build those tools. Uh, we'll all have our own assumptions, and it's very appropriate for you to go put your own assumptions into that, right? You've got to value how much does that intervention strategy cost. It may be different than uh, somebody else's farm. And then on the same side, you've got to value, you know, what, what value are we creating or what are we mitigating with that intervention strategy? Is it going to be more pigs, more pounds, uh, improved efficiency numbers? We can plug all that stuff in there and ultimately pick the one that helps our bottom line the most. Interesting. So as you guys know, I, I'm a nutritionist and there's a lot of uh, uh, tools that we also use, you know, from a nutrition standpoint, mostly Excel based. Besides the purse calculator, what other tools are very popular in the veterinary c- community that, that help you in aiding the, your decision? For me, Marcio, I would go to the literature first and foremost, um, and that's probably not not maybe the answer you were expecting, <laughs> um, but there are, there are so many good studies that have been done and published. They're peer-reviewed. They're very high-quality data. They, they explicitly report the trial conditions, so you can understand, is this apples to apples with my situation? Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of times you're trying to value what's going to be the impact of a product or a management strategy on my performance and what's the best way for us to get those assumptions? Well, go look at the good research that's been done. Um, you know, for commercial products that have been around the block, you know, and are t- 20 years old, odds are that there is a lot of research data out there. So you don't have to make a guess. I mean, you, you, you don't have to rely on your opinion or, you know, your neighbor's opinion on does this stuff work or not. You can actually go to the research and help to get, um, help, help you to populate and inform your opinions. Uh, with good data, um, more so than just a, well, how do I feel like this vaccine works today? Or how do I feel like this medication is going to work? You know, what did the guy down the road tell me? There's better data out there than that. And I would say the, the literature is really the most important tool that anybody can use as they start to think through the decision making. Very nice. And I'd, I'd say the industry has definitely moved in that direction. Certainly in the course of my career, where, as Clayton is describing, science-based medicine and the opportunity, certainly we need to learn from each other, and there's still going to be a lot of anecdotal information out there, but the more that we document, the more that we publish, the stronger we have in our confidence in the interventions that we're, we're choosing, in this case, for health. Interesting. What's that quote? Um, in God we trust and everyone else bring data. Bring data. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I love it. And I agree with Tyler. The anecdotes are wonderful. The observations are great. I mean, those, those are exactly the inputs into the scientific process that we need. Um, but in a perfect world, that's what you'd love to see it be. Is I tried something. I really liked that particular case study. 
So let's go replicate that in controlled conditions where what I tried is the only variable and I keep everything else the same and let's get good data on it before we apply it um, across the whole industry as fast as we can. Um, I agree with Tyler, we're making improvements there, um, but we're with health, it's very easy to get tied up into the emotional aspect of a disease outbreak and to maybe make some decisions that aren't completely logic-based because they're, they're so emotional. Health is such an emotional situation, and whether it's, um, you know, your, your pigs that are sick or your, your pets that are sick or kids, you know, loved ones, when we got a health problem, generally that's all that's on our mind, and we don't always make the best decisions. So leaning on objective evidence and leaning on tools that were developed in a less stressful time, I think, can have a lot of value. Very nice. I agree completely. And as we get closer uh, to the end here on the topic, um, one question I have for both of you guys is uh, what are key uh, tactical aspects that our audience can implement today to maximize health in, in farms? Boy, uh, I'll, I'll take the uh, first and the, the simple approach, Clayton, and you can get more sophisticated, but you want a tactical approach to health, it's have good husbandry. I mean, start with ensuring you've got the right environment. How many times do we wean pigs into cold and wet environments? Mm -hmm. Make sure that to the best of your ability that what you set up for you, your nutrition plan is actually what's being delivered to the farm or better yet, make sure that the pigs are getting feed. So I'd say one of the first tactical components to health is doing the basic blocking and tackling for husbandry, which includes environment, nutrition, uh, primarily. Very nice. How about you, Clayton? Well, I think to tack on to Tyler's thought process, um, we really need to make sure that we're executing the health program as well. Um, you know, I couldn't agree more that the pig's got to have a warm, dry place to sleep. That really is just making sure that our barns function the way that they were designed to function. And I think of our health program often the same way. Um, I can't tell you how many times, Marcio, and I'm sure Tyler's got these same stories. You walk through a barn and you hear, ah, doc, this medication you gave me doesn't work. You know, I tr I'm treating the pigs. I'm doing exactly what you say, but you know, this, this stuff, this stuff's no good. It doesn't make the pigs better. <laughs> and you go look at the syringe and we haven't adjusted the dose on the syringe since the day those pigs were weaned and they're five times the size right now that they were when we got them in. So <laughs> we're just not, we're not giving them the dose that they need to be successful. And that, uh, you know, that, that was an injectable situation, but the same thing happens with our water medication program, with our feed medication programs. Are we really sure that we're 100% executing the health program? I think that's something that you want to, you want a tactical uh, thing that producers can go work on. Don't waste your money trying to get me to come to the farm to solve those problems for you, right? Uh, read the labels, um, even for, uh, for anything that's off, uh, off label, there's going to be very specific dosing directions on those. Um, it will say on your products exactly how they're supposed to be used. So make sure that's happening before you go um, hire an outside gun to come in and, and audit your system or come look at your farm and tell you what you're doing wrong because those are, those are expensive lessons to learn if a veterinarian's got to uh, send you a bill just to tell you to up the dose on the syringe. Um, those, are, those are basic things that I think we can all take a look at before we even uh, get into the veterinary side of it. Um, the other thing that I would throw out Marcio for things that producers can do is biosecurity. Um, there is no, uh, no boogeyman out there that's going to bring disease into your farm that we can't control. 
Um, and it just depends on where you're at with your current state of biosecurity. If you've got your mortality management in check, your animal introductions, your transport biosecurity, if all those things are well done, maybe it's time to look at air filtration. Um, if you're still, uh, you know, using rendering to get rid of your, your mortalities, um, if you've got um, issues with uh, market hog transportation and biosecurity breaks down, breakdowns there, well, that's the place to start. But I always tell people with biosecurity, you can pay for it uh, once, you can pay for it twice. And what I mean by that is if you wait until the disease outbreak and then say, all right, I don't want to do that again, I'll invest in the biosecurity now, you're really paying for it twice because you got to pay for the disease outbreak, then you got to pay for the biosecurity. Uh, if you pay for it up front, hopefully you can avoid that disease outbreak. Um, but I think uh, the, the biosecurity is another very tactical thing that lots of producers have opportunities to get better on, and really you can do it right away. There's uh, there's no need to wait on a lot of that stuff. Very cool. I like I like the the quote right there. Pay it once, pay it twice. I like it. Very nice. Any any other thoughts uh, on the topic before we move to the three questions we ask every guest? I just have one. I just would love to get Clayton's feedback. Um, and again, kind of going back to the PERS and uh, intervention, Marcio, but mm -hmm. as veterinarians, in my perspective would be, we tend to spend a lot of time trying to think about what we're going to do with the, with the breeding herd in, a, in the case of a PERS outbreak, but it could be other outbreaks as well. But when we look at the, uh, the modeling, as you asked earlier, and we look at the, the dollars, they're actually the majority are in the growing pigs. So Clayton, when you see an outbreak, I mean, do you, is it your perspective that on the veterinary side, at least we tend to focus more on the sow herd and that there's probably some things that we could do in the grow finish herd that may actually have as big a short-term impact as doing something with the sow herd that will have a long-term long impact? Yeah, if you've got a purse break in a sow herd, you really can't, you don't have the luxury of saying, I'm just going to have a long-term plan and not going to address the short-term. Um, the, the growing pigs are absolutely where the money is at, um, both in terms of the money to be made as well as the money to be lost. And it'd be very short-sighted if you didn't put together some sort of an attack plan for, uh, for those growing pigs. Um, it's going to need to be put together in phases. And what I mean by that is you need something for the pigs that are on feed right now because every sow farm break I've ever been involved in, generally there's a group or two of wean pigs that are already out there and they're infected. We just don't know it yet. Um, so you've got to go in and help those pigs as best you can. And there's all sorts of different strategies that are available for you. Um, there's vaccination techniques. There's uh, in-feed medications, uh, in-water medications, things that you can do from a population standpoint to try and go help mitigate uh, the PERS impact as it's starting to happen to those pigs. Um, I think you also need some sort of intermediate plan for what are we going to do for the pigs to get weaned going forward coming out of the sow farm. Um, think about your common secondary agents, uh, and that can be a little bit herd specific. You know, sometimes it's a strep, sometimes it's a parasuus. Um, what, what medication you use to try and help those pigs get through it, particularly with injectables at weaning, I think that kind of depends situation to situation, but um, in almost every case, something that is going to be of value there. So I would um, I'd put that on the intermediate strategy as what sort of medication are we going to use to the wean pigs going forward? And then you're going to have some sort of a long-term plan as well. Um, you know, is that a mycoplasma positive flow? If so, do we need to think about those pigs when they're 15, 20 weeks post-weaning uh, and, and maybe do something uh, a little bit different there, whether it's with our vaccination or medication strategy? 
Um, but there's going to be different parts to that plan, Tyler. Um, but the, the impact of PERS is so great that we can't afford to just focus on the sow farm or just focus on the short term versus long term. You really need multiple plans of attack. You need some sort of uh, uh, an intervention strategy that's going on while your big picture, let's clean up the sow farm, whether that's through herd closure, repop, whatever, while that process is happening. You've got to have something to bridge that gap. Yeah, I think that's an important message, Marcio, that uh, Clayton just shared with us. That I just, I just think it's important to, when we're thinking about health and intervention and modeling, we need to be thinking both, obviously long term, but there's some short term and intermediate term things that we probably should be doing. That makes total sense. I remember uh, chatting with uh, Dr. Steve Dritz when I was back in uh, grad school and. And he was mentioning that some production systems, they are more, they like, especially from the nutrition side, but, uh, but I'm sure it applies for the health side as well. They are, they like more in quotes, right? They like more the south farm. They like more the wind finish, you know, the way they grew, uh, the business. So it's interesting to see those, uh, differences across, across the systems. Since 1971, Zinpro Corporation has focused on one thing, trace mineral nutrition. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to zinpro.com. For all swine-related news and information, go to swineweb.com. It is time to our famous three. So these are the three questions we ask every guest, every episode. Uh, Dr. Hoke, you can start uh, on the first one, which is your, what's your favorite swine-related uh, resource, uh, generally books, but could also be websites or anything like that. Yeah, I would say that the go-to is for a book would be Diseases of Swine. I mean, that's just the, that's the basics, but... I would also say my favorite resource would really be learning from others. Mm-hmm. So I'm uh, blessed to be on a few advisory groups. And I tell you, I just learn a lot when we meet or an upcoming AASB meeting. Just a great opportunity to learn from others that are in our industry. Very nice. How about you, Dr. Clayton? It's the Swine IT podcast, Marcio. Ah. That one was easy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah, I appreciate that <laughs> yeah uh, I, I would add I'd add maybe one sub bullet to that and I would say the AASB website um, and and directory um, with the ability to search for uh, different published information abstracts from presentations um, to me that's a treasure trove of information that I go to and utilize uh, quite commonly very nice uh, how about uh, Tyler, your favorite uh, book or resource that is not related uh, to pigs? Yeah, good. Well, I try to start every day with some time in the Bible, so the good book would be certainly number one. Mm-hmm. And a book that I would recommend for folks that might be in uh, my stage or even younger is a book called Halftime, mm-hmm. and it's by Bob Buford. So it uh, helps with with career when you're at mid midpoint or for some of us that are in our clearly in our second half of our career it's got some really good uh, information in the book halftime very interesting i haven't heard about that one 
Very cool. How about you, uh, Clayton? Oh, I um, I enjoy uh, a variety of different books and podcasts. I would say non-pig related stuff. There's a couple of books that have been very uh, powerful for me. Um, I'd say the first is uh, Leadership and Self-Deception. Mm-hmm. Um, it talks about uh, thinking in the box versus thinking out of the box. And really, it always helps me when I'm frustrated with a problem to focus back on what can I do to make the situation better. Don't think about all the external forces that are impacting you because it becomes very easy to rationalize a, a lack of effort mm-hmm. if, you, if you get overwhelmed with all the different uh, headwinds that may be coming your way. But at the end of the day, we're all flying our own plane and we're the we're the we're the captains in the cockpit and we get to control what we do and that book always helps to center me and get me back focused Um, another one that i would say i'd recommend to anybody is an amazing read is a book called the viral storm Uh, it was written by uh, i believe he's an evolutionary uh, biologist if i remember right Um, and uh, he talks about uh, ebola in general Um, but talks about how we as humans have uh, populated the earth with really what was very isolated groups of individuals and and disease resistance has been um, important, uh, but is uh, geographically is is very different as we move from, from one part of the earth to the other. And then uh, that works fine until the invention of airplanes, which now have amazingly connected us and as we have seen unfold um, it, with the, the coronavirus outbreak in the last month or so, uh, we're a very susceptible population of individuals. We're, we're really a society that's built for pandemics with our ability sure. to transmit disease very, very, very rapidly. Um, and when I read that book, it always, you know, it floors me how much uh, our pig industry is in the same boat and that we have these large populations of, of very densely collected susceptible individuals. Mm-hmm. And it's really a, a lot of tender for the fire that is disease, a lot of dry, dry tender, and it just takes one match to go in and start burning. And unfortunately, I think we're, we're seeing that right now with the coronavirus outbreak, um, but we see it in our pig production systems here every winter, right? Um, we've got susceptible populations, um, and we are very effective at moving disease across them. And so The Viral Storm is another book I'd recommend to the audience. Very, very interesting. So what you're saying is that Elon Musk is right, and we need a backup population in Mars, huh? We need to send some pigs as well there. I think the I think it'll happen sooner than we appreciate. Very cool. Well, and the last question is: What separates successful swine professionals from those that are not? Uh, Tyler, uh, I'd say passion is one. So passion for what you do. And I think you always have to have a zeal to learn. So for me, having graduated from vet school over 30 years ago, I mean, you you continue to need to have the zeal to learn. And I'd also say you need a sustainable approach to life. And uh, so that's, that includes physical, mental, spiritual, relational. Make sure that you're keeping a, a good pace to your life that's sustainable. Very, very nice. I like that. How about you, Clayton? You know, I think being a good pig vet is in many cases like being a good parent. 90% of it is just showing up. Um, mm-hmm. Be there when somebody needs you. When when your clients have a problem, it's it's your problem just like it's their problem. 
And I can assure you there's nobody who's calling you at 5.30 in the morning or um, 8 o'clock at night because they just want to shoot the breeze with you. Um, they've clearly, if, they, if they're reaching out um, in an abnormal time, then there's something abnormal going on. And uh, I do think that uh, a big chunk of being successful is just really being willing to pick up those calls and help your clients when they're needed, whether that's somebody who's got 50 thousand, but, you know, to them, that's, that's one of the biggest pieces of their net worth uh, to a huge system that's got a massive disease outbreak. Um, you just need to be available um, and be willing to, to jump in and help. And again, know that they're not reaching out to you at, uh, at an awkward time just because they want to chat. Uh, there's generally a big issue going on and you, you need to answer the phone when it rings. That's great. Wow, very, very good uh, run here, guys. Really appreciate you guys' time and, and thoughts there and experience and sharing that with, with me and our audience. So thanks so much. And a pleasure, Marcio. Yeah, thanks, Marcio. Appreciate the opportunity to be on. Hey everyone, we just crossed 15,000 downloads of our episodes and I wanted to say thank you. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks web conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry an update on hot topics, and we even gonna have some controversial topics of the global swine industry. So you can leverage that knowledge in your day today. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our wait list. We'll talk soon.